0: everyone welcome to episode five of the virtual vibe podcast where we discuss hr strategies for a happy healthy and connected workforce in a work from home world i'm david howe ceo at bright breaks and host of the virtual vibe and today i am excited to chat with isaac lumley and isaac is the department head of people operations at quility and insurance and quility is an award-winning team with employees in over 30 states so welcome isaac
1: Thank you, David. It's good to be here.
0: Awesome. I'm excited to chat. Would love to just kick things off with just a quick intro on your end, both kind of what you and your role is at Quility, but also what the company does.
1: Yeah, great question. So um, as you already mentioned, I am the department head of people operations. That's a newer promotion. Pretty excited about that. Um, I actually started as a human resource specialist before we rebranded our department into people operations. So I do a lot of recruiting. And then as I've kind of grown alongside Quility, I've moved into more of the like HR generalist role. So getting to do a lot of well-being initiatives, still recruitment strategy, all kinds of things like that. As far as Quility, I like to describe it as kind of a late stage startup, right? So we're, we're still relatively small. We're hovering right around 200 employees, but have been kind of long-standing, right? So, you know, essentially three years ago, big merger between two separate entities merged together, formed Quility. I was brought on board about a year after that. So getting to see that growth, and be a part of that growth has been really, really fun. And as far as the industry, like you said, quality Insurance, we're um, an insurance brokerage, so we work in the insure tech field. Currently, we're working on some really cool stuff with like our data products team, things like that. And we were fully remote during COVID. Now we're transitioning a little bit more back to a hybrid schedule for those that are interested in it. So I do hybrid. Um, I find in HR, I like to be around people, but I also just simply get more done at home. So I'm a, I'm a bit chatty. But yeah, all that is to say, like you said, we're actually up to around 38 states now. So getting all over the country, it's not really something that we could be like, yeah, let's all come back to the office because we have outgrown our office. So it's a really cool, unique situation in that regard.
0: Yeah. So of the 38 states, how many office locations would you have across the country?
1: Yeah, we have two. <laughs> so we have one in Reno, Nevada, and one in uh, Asheville, North Carolina. So Those are a good chunk away, but even so, you know, we could probably maybe fit maybe half if we all got real comfortable.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And so with the hybrid model, obviously a lot of employees really, they're remote only, right? Because there's not locations in those states. Is for the team that's in, say, Asheville, is there any sort of like structure to the hybrid nature? Is it more like flexible?
1: Um, It's fully flexible. Some teams, you know, it depends on, you know, sometimes if it's a certain like performance improvement plan or something like that, maybe... Need more supervision but honestly that's an outlier for the most part like i go in whenever i am able to just like i like to be around people like to if there's an event going on there or something like that it's nice for me to get there it fills my cup but if i'm on interviews all day i do a lot of phone screens if i'm doing that all day it's just better for me to be at home so i don't have to worry about laughing in the middle of the office or something like that or being loud yeah so no structure to answer your question
0: nice okay cool and i guess What's the people in HR team look like? So how many folks on that team and how all do you kind of divide and conquer everything? And especially, I guess, on the wellness side, is it your kind of sole responsibility? Do you have a team that you're supporting you on that? How does that look like?
1: Yeah. So, you yeah, know, I'm going to use HR and people operations interchangeably. We have a smaller HR team, but big for the size company that we have. So there are three of us that are in, you know, traditional HR, uh, myself and my two managers, Lauren and Kristen. And then we have one of our founders. Fortunately, well being is something that is important to our founders. And so it's kind of been integral to the company culture since its inception. You know, we'll talk about our core values in a second, but we believe that relationships matter and that people come first. You know, there's no point in recruiting and developing top talent if we do not have the culture for them to stay and succeed. You know, you can bring them in if they're like, this isn't going to work. I'm not. Maybe they're not even as successful and they stop being that top talent. You know, there's, a lot of groundwork that has to be laid. And all that is to say, one of our founders, Meredith, has taken a huge role in that well-being. She does it for kind of the agent side of things as well as the corporate staff. I'm going to speak to just corporate staff today. But yeah, so I would say about four of us. But, you know, with culture and well-being, it's not just one person. It's got to be everybody or as many as you can get on board. So I would say there's a team of us that do some kind of background administration, but really it comes down to you know, some people leaders on their individual teams and also just the people we hire and how they interact with each other.
0: It's definitely a trend I'm seeing on the interviews that I'm doing where somebody, whether it's a CEO, whether it's a founder, whether it's somebody, you know, at the top of the organization, like having the internal value of wellness as being like a really important driver of the entire company sharing that value. So I'm not surprised to hear that that's Meredith in your case. So I guess, yeah, you touched on the values, like, you know, feel free to dive further into those and, and why is creating a culture of wellness important at, at Quility? And we, we just said, you know, Meredith is, is really driving some of that, but why is she driving that and why does that trickle down to the rest of the, the organization?
1: I'll start with the core values just because I think it's a good segue. One of ours is growth and we phrase it as relentless pursuit of growth. As we just talked about, you know, if you're pursuing growth, but you're not focusing on the employees you have and not developing and taking care of them, you're not going to grow very fast. You know, (laughs) you're going to have people going out the door as soon as you get them in. And so it's all about kind of that balance. But again, back to our first one, you know, this is the most important one. And this is what, you know, Meredith will say the same thing as far as people come first. People will go on and do their own thing without a company, but a company will not exist without the people in it. And so taking care of them, making sure that they're okay outside of work so that they can do their best work at work. It sounds pretty simple at face value. It's a larger thing. You know, everybody's an individual. That's one of the things I love about my job is that, you know, it is never the same thing because I deal with people and every single person's unique and individual. And I love that challenge. Uh, I think it's just really fun, honestly. And so, yeah, essentially, you know, I don't need to talk in circles as far as what the purpose of it is, is to get talent and keep them in and build it, right? We're trying to grow the company, and that's something that they've done a really good job of over the last few years. And I've been able to get to help over the last two and a half.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I do love that. And like, what are some actually examples? Like, so people, you know, the caring of the employees outside of work, like, how does that actually look in practice? Like, what are examples of things that, that you all might do to kind of show that firsthand?
1: Yeah, great question. So for one, just as far as the actual benefits side of things, we do offer, of course, Bright. So you're familiar with that one. And then we have an EAP which is basically a program that connects employees with qualified counselors should they be going through some larger issue in their life that they need somebody to talk to about it. And then that's fantastic on like, the professional side. And then on the like more personal side, just being able to have those open, honest, and productive conversations and communicate with each other, that builds something that I like to talk about, which is called a culture of collaboration It's something I used, you know, when I was a candidate interviewing for jobs, I would ask, you know, how would you describe your culture there? Culture of collaboration is what I'm looking for. To me, that's working together towards a common goal. But also like, I love working for a company where you can share an idea, and they'll take a look at it, you know, and they might not do it, they might try and be like, that didn't work. That's something that Quility is awesome at, at every level is we just have A lot of ideas. And so at a certain point, it sometimes becomes like, all right, well, which ideas do we start with? (laughs) But it's such a cool, I'm saying cool a lot, but it's just a cool energy to be around of all of that drive and passion. And that's, those are the kinds of people that we want to bring in and the ones we want to keep as far as what do you need to be successful and what does that look like?
0: Yeah, no, I love that like, and I guess I love getting tactical. So let's say somebody has an idea, is that like being shared in like in chats with the company? Is it going like direct to their managers? Like in practice, how does that actually look where, hey, I have a cool idea, I'm gonna share this. And actually, sometimes I'm guessing these things actually get implemented, right? Which is probably pretty fulfilling for the person that shares it.
1: Yeah, definitely. Honestly, for both of those things, we really encourage at least weekly meetings with your manager. Yeah, I'd say at least, but honestly, weekly is perfect as far as just getting to touch base. And that goes all the way up so that, you know, let's say one of our associates, at, which is our lowest hierarchy here, has a great idea and they bring it to their manager, then that's a way to elevate it. And it also is just a way to make sure that you are getting that collaboration, right? Like, you know, we really want to shy away from a team. I have a friend who told me he hasn't had a one-on-one with his manager in the four years he's worked there. And that to me is just mind-blowing because, I de- you know, that's really difficult to, re- to measure growth. and develop employees and things like that and uh I don't think it's incredible for retention as far as giving people that platform though just to chat about what they're going through or hey I need some support here I'm really struggling personally it's making me a little distracted at work whatever it is having that weekly moment set aside makes it a little bit easier for that employee to just share versus having to like oh well I have to seek out my manager and I have to type out an email and to set up a meeting it just, yeah, making it accessible is a big tool, I think.
0: Yeah. Like the structure of having it regularly, I can totally see that. And like, also just having those weekly touch points is going to build the relationships, right? Like versus if I don't see my manager for a quarter, it's like, you know, where are they, who are they? So having the weekly touch points, that's one of my, you know, one of my coworkers is, is really big on like how to structure the one-on-ones and what to do about them. And, and for us, we think about it as like building trust and, having those opportunities. If we've built trust successfully, those are great opportunities for someone to open up and share things that otherwise might not be heard. And I think it's a really good example of, you know, wellness obviously isn't just a, always a fitness app that you might offer the team. There's all the, it's built into the culture of how, you know, the team operates. So you touched on, on like the initiatives aspect, like, is there anything else to expand on there in terms of some of the initiatives that you've run as a team with success and obviously specifically around, around wellness?
1: Yeah. So as far as the initiatives that I have specifically run myself, there's been three main ones, all have been challenges centered around Bright, actually, kind of kicked it off, we were able to offer, this was about a year and a half ago, I'd say, we were one of the first like kind of internal challenges that Bright had run. And because of that, Heather and I got to really work through some of the details, like what does this look like? How do we build this out? What are we trying to do here? And we were able to get a lot of like leadership and just like people on board and we were actually able to get like a day off work approved as the grand prize, which was a ton of fun just to be able to really promote that. And like, you know, you want to steer away from prizes. Sometimes you want to reward like kind of the effects of it, but that was a really great way to get it started. And we had a ton of success with it. We had great participation and a lot of people shared that they really enjoyed it. We gave extra points. So we, we did something cool where You can get a point for joining the class, and then you can also get a point for joining the class with another coworker. So we were able to really, I think Bright Categories as social minutes. That was the coolest metric for me from there. I just like, this is like culture. Sometimes different team members are like on opposite time zones. You know, it just is something. There's a lot of downsides to remote work. There's so many upsides as well. That to me is one of them, is getting to have those like face-to-face communications. Like David, you and I are in different countries right now. That's awesome to me. You know?
0: <laughs> yes, it is so cool. And yeah, like there obviously are challenges with remote work, but so many benefits and clearly employees want it. It's something that gives them a lot of flexibility. And so you mentioned Heather. So Heather, for those that don't know, she's our customer success lead at, at Bright Breaks. And she works with you know champions like Isaac who have the program and, and offer it to their teams. And I asked Heather, I, you know, she knows we were chatting today and I said like, hey, what should I chat with Isaac about? And she said what you were gonna touch on, which is how does he get the executive you know, buy-in? How does he get leadership to buy into these wellness initiatives? Because that's something I think a lot of companies struggle with. Like for some of those execs, it's just kind of checking a box or it's a secondary thought. What I think you've done well and what I've heard is really getting that exec team to buy in and really not only just support it, but actually take part in these things. So can you unpack that for us? How does that work and what's worked for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it kind of speaks to a few different points I've already made. As far as one, it really is going to depend on the company and the person and the executive that you're pitching it to, right? So even within Quility, if I'm pitching these to different chiefs, I have like a different talking points for each one. It doesn't have to be super hyper individualized, but also just know what's important to that person, uh, what's important to their role. But yeah, the success of any program in my mind has to do with executive buy-in, my personal advice is to show the ways that well-being, health, and security play into cost-saving metrics like retention, increased output, you know, happy employees perform better and make less mistakes than those who are constantly in a state of stress. That just is the way it is. You know, we've all been like super pressed for a deadline and just like, you know, you're not typing your best or whatever it is, and it's, it's just not your best work. And that's how I did every single one of my college papers. So, you know, I'm <laughs> trying to change from that still. Yeah, as far as specific first steps, like if you were to take a look at one of your teams that has like low turnover, consistent numbers and find out what they're doing differently and then try and like capture that, that is a way to, one, you probably already have some of your leaders who are doing these things, right? There's going to be people just, they gravitate towards good leaders anyway. So you are going to be able to see it. You're going to be able to like, you know, I'll use our marketing team. We have an incredible marketing team. And there's a lot of leaders there who are super open, communicative, ready to listen to suggestions from their team. But also, they're, um, you know, if you look at their teams, there's not a lot of turnover. People want to stay because those relationships matter. It's really fascinating to me. And we could go deeper into those things. But as far as executive buy, I'm going to pull myself back to the original point. Yeah, some chiefs look at numbers. You know, like If you're unfortunate to work with an executive team that's really interested in employee well-being, and a lot of these are pretty face value for them. Like, yeah, this would be good because our employees would be happier. They'd stick around. That's it. Some I'm like, we can do this. We can save our money here. We can, you know, for the cost of setting up this quiz or challenge and offering a day off of work, we can boost this engagement here, things like that. So the metrics are one of the questions um, I know we had prepared to discuss was measuring the success of the initiatives. And that's super interesting i was while i was writing it out i wrote out like seven more additional questions of like yeah what does that look like you know do we create a happiness score and measure changes in that or participation rate turnover before and after the initiative and again that goes back to what i was saying it it really just depends on your company like you kind of have to know the culture you're working with because it's your community you know it's not there's not a one-size-fits-all answer And that's, you know, one of the things I liked about running the internal challenges that I was able to do as a well-being initiative was that it made it a little bit easier to make. I talk about accessibility a lot. That's just important to me, uh, important to my field also. (laughs) But just, you know, we can have people all over the country join these classes at whatever time works for them. You know, there's on-demand ones now. They all have an equal shot at entering the challenge, winning the prize, things like that. That was one of the things that Heather and I were looking at, like, how do we make it fair across everybody like want to make sure people can access it even if you know you just broke your leg and you can't do any of the stretching ones or you know you're going through whatever and you don't want to do this specific type there's options it's available you know if I was to narrow that down just like come up with what you want to do who you want to do it for and then honestly a lot of it flows from that as far as like what you need to do for it after that like if you know the needs you can kind of see how to get it To go about them and then it's a little bit easier to prove to you know executives or whoever your leadership team might be why this tool is effective or how it could generate value for the company things like that that answer your question i kind of ran with that one
0: yeah no this is great like there's so much to dig into right and you know just a couple points one on the pto day i think that's awesome and I, i i know we have recommended that to many customers right because It does really get people engaged and you touched on the connection piece and obviously being in 38 states, it's not easy for everyone to connect all the time. So actually what we found is connecting over like a challenge and having everyone kind of collaborate and come together to try to achieve this thing. Like it gets everyone, you know, having a lot of fun and working towards something, obviously everyone's going to really value. And then the other thing, like, it sounds like before even, you know, implementing a program, whether it's a Bright Breaks or something else, part of your case is like showing the research or the statistics out there to say, hey, here's the benefits of you know whether it's retention or I'm sure talent attraction and all these things in wellness. And like, I don't know if you recall the exact studies, but is that kind of the approach you took into getting buy-in right away saying, hey, here's the top research on why wellness initiatives matter. And is that kind of what won over some people? Because I know for many HR leaders, Getting buying can happen, but then you have to go to the CFO maybe in some cases and get the financial support, right? Which can be tricky because the CFO might not be so apt towards wellness and it's more of a numbers game. So is that kind of what happened in practice?
1: Yeah, honestly. And I can point to a few specific studies. Something that I like to do is I try to be very thorough with my research on things like this. So I love to, you know, research opposite sides of an argument. You know, I find the truth will often be in the middle and I'm a very avid reader. So I've read all kinds of autobiographies and just books about, business and well-being and things like that. And One that I'm reading right now is by Laszlo Bach, who was the chief people officer over at Google. So he just has some really fun ideas. I'm not going to get too far into the weeds and turn this into a book club, but it's really interesting to see. And that's kind of where I was talking about, it depends on your company, is like the things he suggests for Google are maybe not going to work for every other company. There's things you can distill from it though. Like there's all kinds of things, but we don't have 25,000 employees. So it just doesn't work the same way. And that's really fascinating to me. As far as I'm going to talk specifically to CFO buy-in, that one is, you know, I honestly think it's not too bad after you have other buy-in, then if you can convert things to numbers, you know, that's where it gets a little intricate and sometimes uh, creative as far as what, what well-being, how do you put a score on that? How do you show that to me is one of the fun challenges, but also if you can show numbers, like, listen, here's how much we spend, Hiring a new person versus developing someone we have. Development is something I count as part of well-being. There's all kinds of things that we've been doing here at Quility as far as developing, you know, whether it's a lunch and learn or getting our department heads or our directors together at that level and just making kind of a meeting with skills directed towards them and their level and their kind of leadership journey that we found a lot of success with. And that's, you know, it is unique. You describe the effects in a different way for the senior director of human resources or for our CFO. To me, that's kind of a fun part is getting to translate it. But yeah, it really is just about, like you said, CFO wants numbers. You know, HR wants to see employee impact. How is this going to affect people's day-to-day lives? Is this going to be more work than it is benefit? CFO wants to know, is this going to be more cost than it is return on investment? Like kind of two sides of the same coin.
0: Yeah. And I love that. I don't know the exact stat, top of mind, but I know it's out there. The cost of, you know, replacing somebody, right. is pretty astronomically high and we don't want it. it's not like we're, we're saving one job or something. Hopefully we, hopefully it has more impact, but the number side on that is quite astonishing. Right. And that sounds like a, like a strong case to make. I know we didn't prepare for this one necessarily, but what are some of those like top books? I'm a big reader too. And I'm sure, I'm sure our audience, like I love having actionable things to take away with, but like, you mentioned the CPO at Google. Are there any other maybe top two or three books that have had the most impact on you? And I see all the books behind you, of course, so.
1: <laughs> I'm like, let me just, in my embarrassing stack, I, uh, I'm working on getting a new bookshelf. It's tough because I, so I read the books and I'll take away like one or two things and I'm like, ooh, I could apply that and things like that. And it's so, an interesting one I read recently um, that's a very popular one, but I read it. I was recruiting for a project management role. Uh, we were looking for a scrum master. And so I read the scrum book by uh, Sutherland and it was really interesting, just a way of like, you know, project management, but breaking it down into, you know, it's got a fun cover here too. I won't, it's not an endorsement, but um, nice and bright. So it jumped out at me from the shelf, you know, and that's all about like separating tasks into little tiny bites. And that's honestly a little bit of what I was talking about earlier, as far as like, what are you trying to do? How are you going to get there? You know, if you're trying to just improve your employees' quality of life, what are the biggest struggles they have right now you know and you can survey people to death but I'm, a lot of this information i'm sure is in front of you in some way or another even if it's surveying managers like what complaints do you get the most of or you know you don't necessarily have to send it to everybody but yeah the one by laszlo bach is called work rules which uh, i got right before i started my hr journey and it was it just because i thought the title was funny honestly it's like work rules exclamation <laughs> point but yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff in there. And there's it's really interesting to see how he goes all the way back and talks about the founders of Google and how what they built it. And you know, there's so much of like right time, right place. And so much of like, wow, that didn't work at all. Let's pull the plug on that and try something different. Or what did we learn from that? What did we learn from this? And so much of that is actually, I'll segue back to those development conversations we have, like getting your department heads together, getting your directors together, whatever your senior whatever your leadership levels are at your company, being able to create a situation where let's say one of our leaders made a mistake and they're comfortable being vulnerable and sharing like, Hey, I did this. I thought it was going to be awesome. And it had this effect, you know, then not only is that leader learning from their mistakes, but potentially other people are as well, which, you know, again, this is one of those things. It's really hard to put a number on that value, but I definitely say that there is value in that.
0: Yeah. And, again kind of even like tying it back to the idea of employees feeling comfortable sharing ideas and bringing things forward like it again you're you can see that by what you're talking about that's built into the dna because if leaders are sharing amongst other managers you know things that might be a little vulnerable that that kind of sets the example at the manager level that that's a good thing for everyone and by the way i i have to give you a lot of credit i am also like a physical book guy i have something about a physical book and turning the pages i do have a kindle and i sometimes use it but i i do love a physical book <laughs>
1: I do love my Kindle also. It's really nice, you know, if I'm trying to read at night or something like that, it's got the dark mode and that I love, or just, you know, not traveling with six books in a backpack is, is uh, cannot be understated, but yeah, I love the look of having a bookshelf. So it makes me feel smart, so.
0: <laughs> I love a bookshelf too. And that's, I lived in California for about six months and I moved to a friend's house and showed up with two bags. One bag was my clothes, one bags my books. And he was like, what are you doing? Why don't you have a Kindle? So that was actually when I started shifting to a Kindle because traveling with a bag of books wasn't really economical or wasn't, wasn't feasible. So is there any tools that you've leaned on that are that we haven't mentioned that might be worth mentioning that you've used to kind of support the culture?
1: Yeah, so we've already spoke about it. One of the tools that I leverage is, of course, Bright. I speak about that all the time on this call, but yeah, just super fun. Love the accessibility of it. We personally use, not personally, professionally, we use Microsoft Teams as our kind of internal you know, some companies use Slack. I know there's a bunch out there. That is something I leverage a lot. Just being able to create, you know, marketing will help me create like some fun flyers or, you know, our company is very competitive. So we love leaderboards as far as who is winning right now. Who can I compete with? It's a ton of fun. I'm very competitive as well. So I'm not trying to say anything there, but that is something that I definitely leverage as far as, you know, let's communicate about it right here. Let's have a team and something that was pretty cool that we tried out and, It's kind of fallen by the wayside, but we're exploring ways to kind of boost it back up. But about a year ago, I basically took like the most active person in each department and uh, asked them if they were interested in being a bright ambassador for me, which basically was just a well-being ambassador. Just like, here are some ideas that I have that would be so great. You know, I can reach out to each department individually, or you could maybe just bring this up on your team. Like, hey, I'm doing this at this time. If anybody wants to join me, you know, here's the link. Whatever it is, things like that. So that was a ton of fun. And some members of your team actually jumped on a call with members of my team and just got to shoot off perspectives and things like that. And that was really cool. I think, you know, so much of remote work can be, it can feel so isolated and siloed. And things like that, getting to bring two full teams together, I was like, I don't even know what this would look like on site, you know what I mean? This is such a different thing to have two teams meeting almost as equals on opposite sides of their computer screen. And just like, it was, it was really cool. And I enjoyed that. And we had a lot of really cool things come out of that as far as just conversations about well being. And people are like, Hey, I think we should try this out. And I was like, does anybody have any ideas of fun memes I could make? And then people were sending memes for me, you know, I was like, these are so much better than what I would have made. It was just cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like a well-being committee of sorts, right? Maybe not formally called that, but having different ideas from different departments and and not taking a lot of pressure off you, like having those ideas come in and, and feedback. That's, again, like having conversations with companies that we've seen build a successful culture of wellness. That seems to be a key theme: is getting a lot of different people involved, and it's not all on HR shoulders to kind of manage these things. Getting folks from different departments for different ideas and feedback.
1: Well, and it's kind of what we said earlier, right? Like culture isn't one person. So I could be like, we're going to do it this way. Everybody do this. And, you know, I would maybe enjoy it <laughs> or, you know, maybe a few people who are wired like me would enjoy it. But if you really want to get that like diversity of thought and like what is going to help everybody or what's just going to be a way to bring people together, I think there's only one way to do that. and That it is to open it up to a little bit more, get more feedback, bounce your ideas off of people. And like I said, with this one, I was able to pull data and just, who is already using the tool, why are you using it? What do you get out of it? And that's kind of what I was talking about earlier with, you know, you probably have these managers already who are investing in well-being and team growth and development, if you can leverage them in some way of training them or having them train others and just really build that, like take the things that are pros and positives in your company and blow them up, right? Like let's share that. The last tool I wrote down was the support of incredible team members. So that's something I cannot understand. Like I want to make sure I keep calling attention to that is that we have such an awesome executive team as far as just like, this is something they care about. You know, my managers are deeply invested in this. They were super excited to partner with Bright. I was just brought on board at the same time as Bright pretty much. So it feels like very, you know, I've kind of been working with Bright the entire time I've been working with this company. So it's all a very like symbiotic thing in my mind. And yeah, I just want to make sure I'm shouting out the team because the team, the company, the culture, it's, it's not one person, it's, it's everybody. So it's really cool to work for a company like that and get to do things that hopefully facilitate that and grow it.
0: That's a great, a great lesson and great, great advice. And I feel like we could probably talk all day, but in kind of closing, I guess, as a final question, like what, what advice or recommendations would you have for those that listening that, that kind of want to start developing their strategy around wellness or a wellness-based culture, you know, I guess, specifically as, as best you can around a remote workforce and, one thing we didn't touch on was those differences between how to do this stuff for remote versus on-site. But I think you answered a lot of that through some of the initiatives you run. It's kind of, it sounds like it's all the same, but yeah, closing kind of any advice or lessons or things you want to share for others listening that might help them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as far as the on-site versus remote teams, I'd love to chat about that. This is an ongoing question for sure. So it's, you know, tools like Bright, we talked about accessibility, making that it's the same for whether I'm taking this from the office or in my home, that's the same. But another priority for our team is making new hires and remote employees consistently feel like they are part of the team. So that's kind of what I was talking about earlier. But when we start our new hires, they each get the opportunity to meet with one of our founders, Meredith, who I spoke about earlier, she's awesome. We discuss company goals, mission statement, and our core values. The real key is keeping it an ongoing process. So like different things can help with this, such as like providing a budget for teams to meet up quarterly, employee appreciation gift stipends, an emphasis on open communication towards a common goal, things like this. Like, it's all great. You know, let's say during an onboarding call, I'm like, "Quality's cool, is awesome. We do this and this and this. And then you never hear about it for the five years you're with us. You know, that's not going to work. So that like really consistency, honestly, is the key for so many things, but especially this as far as You know, I want you to feel like you're a part of a team. I don't want you to feel like you work in Minnesota and you have three video calls a day or something like that. You know, I want you to feel closer to those people and and we want you to feel that way. And there can be really cool outcomes of that, of feeling a part of a team versus feeling like you're on your own. But yeah, as far as like, I honestly jumped ahead a little bit. So my advice for that is take a look at one of your teams that is doing well. Why are they doing well? can it be replicated? Would it work for other teams? Do they have interest in training other managers? Things like that. I mean, leverage the tools that you have as well as new ones. You know, there's a lot of good already happening. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. Something that's really important to me is not creating extra work for people in the name of like (laughs) (laughs) well-being or development. Like I don't want you to have to go to a a brand new six-step process to be able to show that you're grateful for someone, you know, it should be ideally easy for you to click and be like, I'm so thankful for this person. Because, you know, it's about removing barriers in my mind.
0: Yeah, honestly, that is a simple yet really important note, which is like, what is working today and double down there. And I guess that's almost like a life lesson, but it applies here. Like, don't ignore what is working, because there probably are things that are working and spend time looking at why and what is working and try to replicate that. I love that. Really well said. Awesome. Well, Isaac, I mean, this has been great. I really enjoyed this chat. I think this is really helpful for those that are listening. If folks want to kind of, I guess, connect with you, how would they go about doing that? Where can they find you?
1: Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn would probably be the easiest way. That's where all of my HR stuff lives. So yeah, Goodreads if you if you want to do more of the book side of things.
0: <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I recently rediscovered Goodreads because I had forgotten about it, but it is such a great source for books. So if you're on there, I'll find you.
1: Heck yeah, I'll look for you. Yeah, this has been awesome. Thanks for having me on, David.
0: Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Really great. We'll see you next week on another episode of the Virtual Vibe. Isaac, thank you so much. Take care, everyone. Bye.